0: sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: This April saw the highest number of apprehensions made in a single month in 12 years. There were more than 98,000 immigrants apprehended in April trying to cross the border illegally. That's up 159% compared to April of last year when 38,000 immigrants were apprehended.
2: What we have to do is is remove those loopholes. We have to allow people to be detained, keep the family together, but but keep them there and adjudicate that case quickly. So we need resources to do that. We're gonna stop Central American applications being made at the border because we don't have enough judges uh, for hearing dates. We're gonna go to 100 days. We can hold minor children for 100 days so that we can actually process the entire family without letting them go. We're gonna increase judges by 500.
3: We have a crisis at the border, a national emergency declared by the president. The commander in chief has given me a direct legal order to secure the border. I'm securing the border.
0: And now, Stacy Washington.
4: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the program today. I'm Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. And we have so much show for you today. So much show. Um, what I'm excited about is that we are going to be chatting with Mark Lauder about this whole bar situation. It's still a situation. It's still going on. So we'll get updates from him straight from Washington, D.C. and Capitol Hill. Um, he was a former spokesperson for Vice President Pence, and he's now an RNC uh, spokesperson, and he's going to be joining us. It's going to be fantastic. Um, we're also going to be ripping and running through a number of topics, namely that voter fraud convictions have piled up across the nation – Um, And and this is something that we're told often, especially me with the permanent tan, that we just don't have voter fraud. And so there's no reason to have voter ID. There's no reason for us to ever do anything about it. We shouldn't even talk about it. We shouldn't mention it. We shouldn't even act as if it's possible. We shouldn't even discuss it. It's not something that can be discussed. Well, we know that's not true, right? We know that's not true. So what we're going to do is unpack a bunch of these different stories, and then we're going to wade into immigration. And one of the things about the immigration crisis that is going undiscussed are the details surrounding what these people do once they get into the country. They're breaking out of these, you know, kind of plastic tent detention centers. They're just basically they they get tired of being corralled in there, 500 to a tent. So they just decide we're leaving. They join hands and they leave and they just come out into America. The same way you decide when you're sitting in a waiting room for too long that you've decided I'm canceling my own appointment and you get up and you walk out. That's what these people are doing. They're just leaving. There's also the issue of how much wall is getting built. We'll update on that. And what's happening with the acting deputy chief on the drug seizures? Um, there's just so much. So we'll get into all those things. We'll take your calls at 866 963 2037. 866 963 2037. And then we will, uh, we'll, 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 we have much more to get into the election fraud, all of that. But right now, I want to talk about Acts 4.13. Uh, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So a couple things here. First of all, we learned from this, that being with Jesus can make you wise and intelligent beyond what your capacity is. In other words, if you don't have a ton of education, I'm in that boat, um, if you didn't graduate from college or maybe you did, but it's not one of those prestigious named universities. And so at first glance, people think, eh, you know, they're not expecting to be impressed by you. But if you spend time with Jesus and the word, if you spend time obeying what God has called us to do and not to do, if you spend time fellowshipping with other believers during the week and Bible study and going into the church house on Saturday or Sunday, whichever day is is your chosen day. You're going to be wise beyond not just your years, but what you should be able to know based on your education. And this is something that I I see it often. Young people with an amazing clarity about issues they can unpack, they can listen, they can analyze. Then you talk to them a little bit and you find out, oh, they're, they're solid believers. Not on the milk anymore. They've moved on to the meat. That's what we can learn from this. Also... Spending time with Jesus gives us boldness. We become bold when we we become emboldened. When we spend time in the scriptures and we know that we know that we know that we've figured out the reason behind our faith, that we know we can explain it to others, that brings a boldness that stretches out beyond what our natural person should be able to do. You've heard people say, it. oh, she speaks with boldness. She's wise behind her years. He is a sage. Or they'll say, you know, he's been here before. Or that young man it's like an 80-year-old man trapped in a teenager's body that comes it's god-given it's gifted when we spent when we say you know what i'm going to put aside my television show or my my phone or my devices or i'm going to put aside you know playing playing a sport or doing whatever i'm going to set some time aside first things first to spend time with the father then you're going to have boldness you're going to be wise beyond your years and you're going to defy the conventional expectations of those who say You know, if you've got a bachelor's degree, this is what you should sound like. If you've got, uh, you know, a a master's or a Ph.D., this is what you should sound like. And there's nothing wrong with education. I'm not against it. But the fact is, roughly 30% of Americans have advanced education, you know, a college degree. I mean, 70% of us are running around and we're astonishing other people, some of us, with our wisdom because we've been spending time with Jesus. So if anything, this is the key to getting wise if we're not, if, you know, I'm, I'm beyond all the, the college years. Now we're working on getting the kids into this, into this situation. So my best bet is to spend time with Jesus so he can make me wise. So it's Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Fantastic. All right. So now let's turn to the stem shooter. So this story, um, it just keeps getting more and more interesting. You've got this school shooting that happened last week. And you guys will recall that the, the, this one child was shot dead and then, you know, a number of others were injured. And, you know, there's, there's now unpack the details of what exactly happened. Now, again, I'm not saying any names on here. I'm not giving anybody any additional, you know, uh, publicity, what have you. But this is an interesting story because we're talking about someone who shouldn't have been here. Yeah, I said it. What you going to do? I said it. We have this father of one of the accused shooters in the attack in Colorado. He had actually been deported twice. Not once, but twice. Just just goes to show you how broken the border situation is. You're deported twice, you come back in and you still are able to facilitate not you killing somebody, but your child killing somebody. So the father of one of the alleged STEM school Highlands Ranch shooters in Colorado is a serial felon an illegal alien from Mexico. You know, we won't even say his name. He's the father of the alleged 16 year old killer. And he was once jailed for 15 months for domestic violence against the shooter's mom and menacing with a weapon. Now, They've killed one student and injured eight others. And the big takeaway from this is that without a border, without a functioning immigration system, without the ability to deport someone and ensure that they don't reenter illegally, we have no way of stopping these things from happening. And the reason that this is so egregious, in my opinion, is that this intersects directly with an issue that the Democrats have been railing about, you know, ad nauseum. And ad infinitum, they just won't let this go and it's gun control. They're always talking about gun control. We need to take guns out of the hands of law-abiding Americans in order to prevent criminals from getting them or kids who want to be criminals from getting them. How about if you keep the actual criminals out of the country? We have enough of our own criminals to deal with. The fact is, if you are an American citizen born here, you're not naturalized, there's really nothing we can do about the fact that you're a criminal except arrest and prosecute. And if the prosecution goes well, if you're if you're guilty by a preponderance of the evidence as ju- judged by a jury of your peers, then you're sent off for some kind of, uh, you know, rehabilitation prison, something. But if you're here illegally, well, first off, you shouldn't be here. If you want to commit crimes, if you want to trade up a kid who's going to shoot his classmates, how about you do that back in Mexico? But again, you have not just that, but this American woman. She knew this man wasn't illegal. She still had a relationship with him. She had a child with him. And now look. So it's just, and I, I don't care about people's feelings about, well, they were in love. Yeah, but look what, what the other parents are dealing with. Forget the love. She knew this man was an illegal alien and she still went forward with setting up this familial situation that ended up with her being abused, her child growing up in that environment and becoming then himself. Now he's a shooter. He's a killer. He shouldn't have been here. The father shouldn't have been here, which would have precluded all of this drama. You know, and I, I really, again, I don't care who likes what I say, if you agree with it or not. That's not my job. That's not why I'm here. I'm not here to be agreed with. I'm here to tell you the truth. And the truth is, this shooting doesn't happen if this guy isn't in the country illegally. If he'd been deported properly the first time or prevented from illegally illegally entering in the first place. And And again, see... When someone is prevented from entering illegally, it deters others from trying to enter illegally. The situation we have now is that the border is wide open and so people are entering illegally, which encourages more people to do that. Now, that's not all of it. Now, what we have here um, is acting Secretary of Defense Shanahan talking about building 256 miles of border wall. He says that's about a half a mile per day. He talks about the costs. It's number four.
3: So in terms of the border barrier itself, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers has a responsibility to build the barrier. We now have on contract uh, sufficient funds to build about 256 miles of barrier. Uh, Over the course, just to give you a sense of 256 miles, and that represents uh, DHS funds from 17 and 18, as well as uh, Federal or uh, 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 Treasury forfeiture funds, as well as uh, reprogramming. Uh, How you will see this materialize in the next six months is uh, in about 63 additional new miles of wall will come online, so about a half a mile a day. Uh, WILL BE uh, PRODUCED. THE uh, the RFAs, AS YOU DESCRIBED ABOUT A YEAR AGO, WE RECEIVED OUR, our FIRST REQUEST AND I THINK uh, AS OF THIS MORNING WE HAVE 4,364 TROOPS ON THE BORDER. IT'S A MIXTURE OF GUARD AND ACTIVE. THE uh, primarily, PRIMARY ROLE IS DOING uh, MONITOR AND DETECTION, OF WHICH WE HAVE APPROXIMATELY Uh, 1167 uh, performing that mission, but we have a broader set of missions which range from logistical support to aviation support, uh, food service, and there's a whole host of those. We uh, uh, to more broadly answer your question, in terms of uh, readiness, we've seen no degradation to readiness. In fact, in some cases, it's enhanced our readiness because the troops get to perform certain functions.
4: So the entirety of what he's sharing there is just trying to give an update to, you know, Congress about what they're trying to do. And I I hear a little bit of defeat in this man's voice because in spite of everything that he might want to do and and think of the other government agencies that are buying shrimp and lobster and $900 office chairs. And believe me, so I just I just recently bought an office chair for in here because we switched the desk out. I've been talking about this and it's like a continuing saga. And one of the things that I notice is that there's such a huge range. You can buy a chair for 99 or 150, or you can buy a chair for $1,200. I mean, this is a real thing. So those of us who have budgets and we have to pay for things ourselves, we go for the chair that fits our budget. But if you're working for a governmental agency and you're getting close to the end of the fiscal year, you're buying $900 chairs, you're ordering lobster and shrimp and steak. You're doing whatever you can to order down to, to basically, uh, Pay, spend, the, spend down the rest of the money that's been allocated for your budget so that next year your budget won't be smaller. Instead of saying, wow, we just don't need an extra nine hundred grand for this office next year. Let's go ahead and let it go back into the Treasury because, you know, American taxpayers might see that money going someplace else, somewhere else in the government, like the Department of Homeland Security, that needs every penny they can scrape up. So no matter what ideas they come up with, no matter what, you know, innovations they might be willing to try... They can't do anything because their hands are tied because they don't have any more money because Nancy Pelosi won't let them. That's why he sounds defeated. That's why he sounds like that. All right, when we get back, we're going to have Mark Lauder. You keep it here.
2: The Ministry of Preborn meets abortion-minded women right where they are. When a young mom sees her baby on ultrasound, she's 80% more likely to keep her baby.
0: And I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry. And it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever.
2: This mom chose life for her baby.
0: She's been such a joy. Her name even means rebirth and sort of being raised up from the ashes. Uh, I now see my daughter, and I cannot imagine my life without my happy, lovely, joyful, smart baby, and I'm so grateful.
2: Preborn runs and leads Christian pregnancy centers all over the country. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life.
5: Hi, I'm Crawford LeRitz with The Legacy Moment. One day I got a call about a friend of mine who had confessed to committing adultery. Well, my heart sank. As I hung up the phone, I sat back in my chair, and the names of other people I know who have done the same thing in recent years came to mind. I began to pray and weep. My heart was very heavy. I'm constantly reminded that it only takes one act to bring shame and discredit to the cause of Christ. In Second Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, we have the tragic story of David's fall into sin. Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her. I want to point out four reasons David sinned. Number one, David sinned because he was at the wrong place. He should have been out there with his troops. Number two, David sinned because he was alone. There was no sense of objective accountability around him. Number three, David pursued his passion. He saw that woman and still had a choice, but he pursued her. And then number four, David acted. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Don't be deceived. Don't trust yourself. If it happened to David, it can happen to any of us. Let's stay where we need
1: to be, at the foot of the cross. Crawford Loritz is senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in suburban Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, go to LivingALegacy.org.
0: This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
4: Hey there. Welcome back to the show. Head over to StacyOnTheRight.com. Hit the subscribe button. You can also go to at StaceyOnTheRight on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the cool content over there. Uh, right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Mark Lotter, frequent guest of the program and friend of the show. Uh, he's with the Trump 2020 campaign, former spokesperson for Vice President Pence. And he's also been with the RNC as a spokesperson. Hey, Mark, thanks for joining us.
2: No, thanks for having me, Stacey. All
4: right, let's talk about this. Exactly when do we get to move on from the shenanigans of this? I mean, it's, it's not just a witch hunt anymore. It's like beating a dead horse who has already like decomposed all the way and it's just bones and we're watching them pulverize those into ash.
2: Well, I know that the uh, the president would like to move on. The American people would like to move on, but uh the Democrats don't seem uh really interested or ready to do just that. Uh and that's probably because they don't have any other agenda other than, you know, blatant socialism and some some other crazy policies that they're out there supporting and and that's why they're doing this. And it, and it's really important that, you know, that that The American people remember this, that, you know, when it comes to next next November, that, you know, it's when we get a chance to not only reelect our president, but also to send a message that we want Congress, that it's going to do something. You know, I saw a stat the other day, it was a week or two ago, so this Congress has only enacted 16 laws this entire, you know, what, we're now, what, five months, more than five months into it. If you go back to the previous Congress, it already enacted over 430 you talk about a do nothing Congress, and that's because they're consumed more with investigation than legislation.
4: So, Mark, you make a fantastic point there. And I've I've seen a number of different like a number of stories out there, like so there's this big CBC announcement. They want they say their dream ticket is for the Democratic twenty twenty nod. They say it's Biden and Kamala Harris. And of course, they're pointing to demographics. Joe Biden because his longevity with the party means he has all the name recognition that's needed. In spite of his comments about blacks and women and the sniffing and the kissing and all that, he has the highest name recognition. And then there's Kamala Harris, who she's part black. She's, you know, a woman. So she's demographic boxes are all checked. But both of them have now admitted that they believe that illegal aliens should have the same kind of health benefits that you and I have as natural born citizens. And, Mark, they think gun confiscation is actually a thing that's going to happen. Oh, and don't forget they also want to take away the health care of 177 million who have private health insurance plans through their employer. I mean, how do these two get elected?
2: It's really remarkable. And I'll tell you even something that's even scarier, Stacy. Just yesterday on one of the Sunday morning news programs, The former secretary of defense under the Obama-Biden administration was asked whether he thought that the uh, the former vice president would make a good commander-in-chief, and he had to pause and think about it. And then it reminded him of a statement he wrote in his own memoir when he said that Joe Biden has been wrong on every foreign policy and national security issue for the last four decades. This is a guy who worked next to him in the same administration who said that he has been wrong. He doesn't think China is a competitor. I mean, it just shows you how out of touch with reality that they really are.
4: So, okay, Let, let's, let's unpack that a little bit because that was one. We're actually <laughs> going to hear that audio a little later in the show, Mark. And I'm just like, I would, that's one of the ones where I'm, I had to check. Twice to make sure that the person because I read the title of the post, I watched the video and I'm like, wait, does it say that he's an Obama administration official? They show images of them together, seated together at symposiums and government things and on Capitol Hill and Barack Obama's meeting with them. They're standing together in the Obama administration and this guy can't say anything nice about him. What is that like? How does that set the president up? Because he's he's obviously going to be running against whoever is their nominee. And people have fantasized about it being, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders, the socialist and how they want to see Bernie Sanders beat Donald Trump. Bernie Sanders can't find his way towards creating a job out of a paper bag. And Joe Biden literally just took his hands off somebody else's wife a few minutes ago, sniffing her hair and touching her shoulders. How do they think they can beat the president with these people?
2: You know, it really is remarkable uh, that they have become so consumed with Trump derangement syndrome that, you know, that they have gone to the far radical reaches of their party to try to find a a nominee, or people who, you know, can't even win a Senate race, or, you know, twice before can't win the, the presidential nomination. I mean, it just shows you that they really are just searching. They're just searching for anything because they can't argue with what the president is doing. I mean, presidents of both parties for 30 years have called out China, but none of them had the strength to actually do something about it until Donald Trump got elected. And now we're dealing with it in a very strong fashion. You know, the former vice president can't even admit that they're a competitor, uh, let alone deal with it, deal with the issue, or when it comes to Iran. Look what we're now facing and having to do uh confronting Iran when the previous administration and Joe Biden was a champion of this, that flawed Iran deal, which gave billions of dollars to the largest supporter of terrorism in the world one of the greatest if not the greatest threat to israel in the world i mean this is what they're this is what they're doing i mean if the president came out today and said the sky is blue they would argue and say it's it's aqua you know they just can't agree with anything that this president says
4: so that's that's let's also because i i mean they can't beat him on the economy right mark there's there's no there is no comparison between the obama administration. And the Trump administration on the economy, creating jobs, reducing regulations, getting uh, Americans in a footing where they can actually invest and, you know, do things with their money that they couldn't even dream of doing just a few, just a couple years ago. But on these other domestic issues, and even you mentioned the foreign policy front with Iran and the negotiations with China, I mean, I just don't see any—like, they're not in the same universe. This is not a fair fight, if it, you know, really, honestly. It's like the, the media fight against Donald Trump isn't fair. He's treated so unfairly. It's kind of the opposite of that when it comes to his performance in comparison to what they're proposing.
2: Well, and, you know, I'll tell you, Stacey, if you look at it over the course of history— you know, I mean, how many of our great presidents and some some of the many great things that we have seen have been because of the disastrous Democrat leadership beforehand? Because of you know Carter's failures, Ronald Reagan did so many of the great things that he did. George W. followed with confronting terrorism when the Clinton administration buried their head in the sand. We saw the Obama Biden administration basically apologize for American greatness around the world, and now you have President. Trump having to go out and actually solve the problems, whether they're in North Korea or China or with Iran or actually dealing with Russia in a strong way. Another part of that interview yesterday with former Defense Secretary Robert Gates said that this administration was much tougher On Russia than the previous administration and so it's because of that when America gets a leader who can show some strength and I the only thing that they can come back with is weakness
4: so there's a there's a couple things and that I wanted to kind of touch on which one of those is there's news out that Um, One of the border people actually it's acting secretary of defense Shanahan was discussing the 256 miles of border wall that are actually their funds are allocated for that and they're beginning they're doing about a half a mile per day and he was reporting on that but I, I kind of feel like he sounds defeated when he's reporting on that because. That's not enough. And it doesn't address the the you know, they're building these tent facilities to house illegal aliens, 500 a pop. I mean, it's just a monstrously bad situation at the southern border. And the president has literally it's almost like they've got his hands tied behind his back and all he can do is talk. Where do you see the president going with that? Because that's an issue that he really he ran on it. He won on it. Americans want movement on that.
2: Well, unfortunately, because Congress won't do their job, and especially now under under Democrat leadership in the House, we don't have any choice but to take these actions which really just put a Band-Aid on the problem rather than dealing with the underlying cause. And as the president has said so many times, the problem with our immigration laws is that they were written and they were fashioned after a problem that was 20 or 30 years ago. 20, 30 years ago, our main problem on the southern border was primarily Mexican men coming across the border illegally seeking work and so our laws were adjusted because of that but right now if a Mexican man comes across our border illegally we can ship them home back to Mexico immediately no questions asked but if you're not from Mexico if you're from Central America the law is completely different and if you're a family it's even different beyond that and so our laws have not kept up with the problem right now 75 percent of the people who are coming across that southern border are from Central America, and many of them and most of them are family units or posing as family units, and the law requires us to deal with them differently to the point that, according to a federal judge, we can't even hold families longer than about 28 days before we have to, to release them, and the only choice we have is to release them into the country for a court hearing that's going to be four or five years from now that they're never even going to show up to
4: yeah I saw that story as well over the weekend. They were saying that uh you know the majority of these people don't show up for their hearings even if the hearings are expedited so uh, i'm you know i'm I'm one of those people who I'm an immigration issue voter uh, you know and i'm I'm concerned about what's happening. I'm concerned about moms and dads being internally separated from their kids, you know for the rest of their natural lives because the kids are getting killed by these illegal aliens and drunk driving and actual murders decapitations. you name it, it's just a horror show. Um, and the president, at one point, he proposed shutting the border down, not indefinitely, not forever, but for a period of time to bring Mexico to the realization that they need to cooperate with us on this as our southern border partner. And Mitch McConnell, Leader McConnell, came out against that, which I was shocked because it seemed like a logical solution to me. What do you think the president, his next move will be in, in trying to solve this? You know, it, he's got enemies on both sides, it it seems.
2: Well, and I think there's a couple of issues here. I mean, obviously, the president reserves the right to be able to do that. But even because of his tough action and proposed tough action, we have seen a tremendous increase in enforcement from Mexico on people who are violating their southern border coming in from Central America to get to our southern border. And so we're seeing Mexico step up. They do not want to have that happen because they know, as the president does, is that if you shut that border down completely, you're going to have a significant impact on our economy because there is such a free flow of goods and people across the border in both directions. But what we have to be able to do is protect this country. So the president's going to continue working. He's going to take any kind of action he can take legally to try to address the problem. In the meantime, he's getting challenged that every time he tries to tries to fix the problem, even temporarily, liberal governors, liberal uh, state may, uh, and mayors and things like that run to the federal courts, and they get the courts to overrule and make law from their federal bench rather than from Congress and in the executive branch. So we do have to keep running over these problems, but the president's going to keep working on it. We're finally moving forward on the wall, which is great. It's unfortunate we have to do it the way we're doing it through a national emergency. But the president was serious. He said, we're going to do this. And since Congress wouldn't uh, come to, to work with him, he took the power. He took the steps that were necessary and were legal for him to be able to do it. So it's going to be a continuing battle. I can tell you it's still going to come up during this 2020 election. And going back to the point that I made very early, is that these are the kinds of things people have got to remember when they vote in 2020. It's not just enough to vote for President Trump, and we want you to do that. <laughs> right. You've also got to remember that if you've got a Democrat representing you in Congress or in the Senate and you care about these things – well, it takes more than just the president. We need to continue our economic growth. We need to continue to show a strong on the military and on the world stage. And every chance they get, Democrats show weakness or would just prefer to kick the can down the road and ignore the problem rather than working with us to do something about it.
4: Yeah, you, you're you're dead on there. And I'm 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 actually obviously Mark, I'm I'm happy with what the president has been able to accomplish, especially the movement he's been able to get from Mexico. Um, I think there's more that they could do. And obviously, I'm sure the president is working on that behind the scenes. I think the national emergency is as much stink as the Democrats, you know, raised up about it. It turns out it's everything's just fine. People, nobody's died. It's it's working out fine. Um, and I think that what we have to do is just We have to hold the line. We can't forget that what they want is open borders. They want to eliminate our national sovereignty. And the only option that we have is between basically no candidate and President Trump, who's already there doing a great job. It's pretty obvious.
2: It's going to be such a stark choice. Let's remember, you know, we talked about a lot of the other crazy policies that the Democrats have. You actually have some of their top candidates out there who want to take down the existing wall. How many of them have signed on to defund ICE and our Immigration and Customs Enforcement people? I mean, this has shows you how radical they have become, and when this gets down to just two people – I can guarantee you it's going to be an absolutely clear choice for the American people versus continuing economic strength, continuing our national security strength or tucking tail and going the other direction.
4: Mm, Perfect. Perfectly put. You know, Mark, I really love it when you come on and join us and give us updates straight from Capitol Hill and from the Trump 2020 campaign. Keep what keep doing what you're doing. And thanks for coming on today.
2: Thanks, Daisy. Always good to be with you.
4: All right. Talk to you again soon. That's Mark Lauder. He's from the Trump 2020 campaign. He's also an RNC spokesperson, and, and he was the former uh, spokesperson for Vice President Pence. And so we we love having uh, him take his time to share with us. When we get back, we're, we're going to be going into the break here in just a minute. When we get back, we're going to take your calls at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. When we come back in, you're going to hear Customs and Border Patrol acting deputy chief speaking about the drug seizures and the apprehensions on the border. He says this is absolutely a crisis. And then we're going to get into that voter fraud issue. I was talking about the different stories across the country. You've got Oregon and New Jersey. That's literally two opposite ends of our nation where you have people getting convicted of tampering with our elections. And I know Russia is supposed to be the boogeyman here, and I don't I don't I don't doubt that they they want to impact our elections, but we got problems with our own citizens, Americans actually interfering in our election processes. So that's terrible, and we want to get into that as well. Um, and then we are also going to be just as we unpack those two stories, I've also got more for you today. Generic drug makers accused of price fixing by 44 states. You've got a terror training camp found in Alabama that's connected to New Mexico's terror plotters. The same guy owns both training camps. What? I said, what now? Why do we let these people live here? That's my question. If somebody was going to try to kill you, would you invite them over again and again? What are we doing? All right, when we get back, we'll have more. Stay there. This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book Uncommon Marriage. Tony is analytical like his dad. He'll say, we can do this and here's how we should go about it. As a result, his plans usually turn out well. We are opposites in a number of ways, but we've learned to respect and navigate our differences.
5: One thing you can do to discover the unique differences between you and your spouse is to talk with their family. As Lauren interacted with my family over the years, she learned more about me. I did the same with her family. This helped me see how Lauren was wired. I realized how special and wonderful she was.
4: And I was able to learn things about Tony that really helped in our uncommon marriage. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage, learning about lasting love and overcoming life's obstacles together. Discover more at CoachDungy.com.
3: I love AFR. You say it's on the radio too? Here at American Family Radio, we know that many people find their audio entertainment in other places than the radio. So our programming is available with the AFR app on Apple and Android devices, through Amazon Alexa, and now available on Roku.
0: I just love the podcasts
3: that too american family radio streaming our podcast now available wherever you are and we're on the radio
5: there's a particular reason why there is a back to god radio show it was about four years ago god called me out of the pulpit and said dexter i need you to go tell my people it's time for them to get back to god back to my morals back to my values this is the thing that you're supposed to do simply because you belong to the Most High God. It's the least that you can do for a God that loves you the way that he
0: does. Time to get back to God. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central on Urban Family Talk.
1: Donald Trump's America. After receiving the cold shoulder from Washington for more than a decade, Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban will visit the White House today to meet with President Trump. Energy security, defense cooperation, bilateral relations and regional security will be on the agenda. Orban was shunned by the Obama administration and the State Department frequently criticized his government for a weakening of the rule of law as well as concerns over media freedom. The Orban government signed a bilateral defense cooperation agreement in April, and Hungary has recently signaled its interest in completing an arms deal with the U.S. On Friday, senior Trump administration officials said Hungary may be announcing increased defense purchases from America. The meeting with Orban is not without controversy, as the prime minister has been accused by critics as being anti-immigration, taking a hard line on Syrian migrants seeking asylum. At the White House, John Decker, Fox News
0: you can watch a live stream of the show on facebook or youtube at stacy on the right now back to the show on american family radio and urban family
5: talk this soft-sided facility is necessary because of the unprecedented migrant flow that's currently coming across the border specifically here in the rio grande valley sector but the numbers are up across the country the facilities that we have, including our centralized processing center uh, that we built in 2014 during that crisis, they're full. We don't have anywhere to put these people, the migrants, until the rest of the government enterprise can move them through the rest of the process.
4: Wow. I don't have anywhere else to put these people. Now, wouldn't it make a lot of sense if these people, as he referred to them, simply could not enter the country illegally? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if they could just say, all full up, closed. If you're not coming in lawfully, you're not coming in. If you're applying for asylum, you have to do so from your home country. We have offices in your home country. Apply from there. Wouldn't that be something? Imagine how less strained our resources would be. They now have churches and private civic organizations coming in and doing the work. You know, you have border and customs patrol agents acting as babysitters, changing diapers, um, you know, doing all kinds of things that there's there. That's not their job. They're they're not there as a worldwide babysitting service. <laughs> it, it it defies all logic what's going on down there. And and I have so much more that we can go over there. Um, if you're just tuning in, that was C- Customs and Border Patrol acting deputy chief talking about the drug seizures and and you know the apprehensions and how it it really truly is a crisis. Um, so we will go to the phones eight six six nine six three two zero three seven eight six six nine six three two zero three seven. Right now, I want to get into this uh, voter suppression stuff, but wait. Okay, here is something we have to do right this second, um, and and it's kind of a local thing, but I want to call it out. You're, if you are listening anywhere in the state of Missouri, this takes just a quick second. Let me go over this with you. This is so important. I'm telling you, I'm I'm so tired of us saying, well, all we got to do is vote for, you know, our Republicans. And then, uh, you know, uh, you know, if we do that, then we're going to experience, um, you know, better, better voting activities, better, um, whatever. It's not happening. So you've got the Republicans and in here in the state of Missouri. And I just want to go over this bill. It's HB 350. It's up for a vote. And if it is voted out of committee, the Democrats will, you know, strong arm the Republicans into passing it. It is the Missouri Non Discrimination Act, otherwise known as MONA, M O N A. It's HB 350 and HB 208. It adds sexual orientation and gender identity to the Missouri Non Discrimination Act. What it would do is give boys the ability to compete as girls a- in, against our daughters in the state of Missouri in sports, which we've seen in other states. It's a disaster. It is also, it's in committee. So in our legislature, you have to vote something out of committee before it can be voted on by the larger body. Dean Plocker is my representative and also someone who doesn't return phone calls or emails. And he is the one who is the chairman of the committee. He is a St. Louis County Republican elected to office and Dean Plocker. I have his number on my Facebook so you can look it up there so I don't have to give it out on the air. I'm not sure if we're allowed to do that. If you're a Missouri voter, you need to call him and tell him that you're watching and you're not even close to allowing him to get reelected if he decides to vote the Missouri Non-Discrimination Act to vote it out of committee so that sexual orientation and gender identity can be added. The Democrats have been bringing this up. Every legislative session for the past, I don't know how many years, ever since we as Missourians voted to add to our Constitution that marriage is between one man and one woman before Obergefell. So not only is it biological men competing against your daughter in sports, it's same sex, uh, you know, all the stuff that has to do with that same sex, whether it's churches being forced to hire uh, people who don't believe what the Bible says, um. Daycares, being forced to hire people who have been convicted of pedophilia or worse than that, anyone who's openly a pedophilia person, a pedophile, that person being able to work at a daycare because then it would be just a gender identity, just a sexual orientation instead of something that we can all rightly agree we shouldn't be promoting. Now, last year, two Republicans joined with the Democrats on the committee To vote the bill to pass, Chairman Robert Cornejo, who's now the director of Missouri's Labor Relations Department, and Representative Gene Evans, who's now the executive director of the Missouri Republican Party. Those two voted to support moving this bill out of committee so that it could be passed. This year, the person you want to stop, you want to call to stop it is Dean Plocker. So you can find this information on the Facebook page. If you're a Missourian, if you're a Missouri voter, call your legislator, call Dean Plocker's office. Let him know this isn't okay for you. This isn't what you want. This isn't what you're voting for. This isn't the reason he was sent to the legislature. This isn't the reason why the Republicans have a super majority. Let him know. Okay. the numbers on my Facebook page. All right. So back to the show. And that's a local update. Got to let that stuff happen. Um, and if you're in the listening audience and you have a big legislative update, something like that, especially if it's on one of our core issues for American Family Association, just email me at stacyontheright@gmail.com on the right at or DM me on Facebook or something like that and send the information over. And we'll share it here on the show because we want to make sure that these legislators know we're still watching. We're still paying attention. Yeah, we have groceries to buy and kids to take care of. We have families and budgets and mortgages and we have to pay our utility bills. But we're still watching these legislators and we're not going to let them get away with this stuff. You don't get to be a Republican and get away with this stuff. You want to vote and make, you know, all these things legal and lawful and add the boys to the girls sports. Do that on the Democratic side. Don't do it as a Republican. We're tired of it. We're watching. We're not going to put up with it. All right. So I talked to you a little bit about this. Voter fraud. So let's go over these. There's two instances here. You got Francesco Carmagna of Elmwood Park, New Jersey. He's been charged with interfering with the secrecy of the election process. Read in, read out. He's the Acton, acting Bergen County prosecutor, Dennis Kahlo, announced the arrest of Francesco Carmagna. He's married, he's retired. They give his address. The arrest is the result of an investigation conducted by members of the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office under the direction of Chief Robert Anzalotti. In early April of 2019, the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office received a complaint against Carmagna, the mayor of Elmwood Park, alleging that he interfered with the election process with regard to applications for vote by mail ballots in the 2017 mayoral election. BCPO detectives conducted an investigation which revealed that on or about during and between March of 2017 to November of 2018, Carmagna, who was a mayoral candidate at the time, had interfered with the secrecy of the election process by completing portions of the application for vote by mail ballot, primary election ballot certifications, and general election ballot certifications of registered voters in the borough of Elmwood Park, New Jersey. Now, Carmagna has since resigned as mayor of Elmwood Park as of April 28th of 2019, and as a result of the investigation, he was charged on April 29th of 2019 with one count of interfering with the secrecy of election process. Um, It's a third-degree crime. He's scheduled for his first appearance in Central Judicial Processing Court in Hackensack, New Jersey on May 22nd. Now, he's presumed innocent. Obviously, he hasn't been convicted, but what... Again, I so when, when someone tells you, you can't talk about election fraud, that never happens. Well, apparently it happened in New Jersey, right? But that's not all, because I, I hate it when we just have one example. I like to have multiple examples to make sure that people can't actually act like, well, that's a one-off. That just does, doesn't happen a lot. Oh, doesn't it? Ten voters in Oregon have pled guilty to voter fraud in the 2016 presidential election. Ten voters. So What they did, first of all, the convictions represent a tiny fraction of the 2,051,000 plus votes cast in the election. Oregon voters elected Democratic Governor Kate Brown and chose Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump for president. The Oregon Department of Justice started pursuing the cases after the Secretary of State's office forwarded 56 cases of possible voter fraud from September of 2017. The 10 convictions represent a broad spectrum of age, party affiliation, and geography. Those convicted include four Democrats, one Republican, one Libertarian, and four people who claim no party affiliation. Most of the convictions involve people who cast a ball- ballot in two separate states. Many of the cases initially involved felony charges, but all were eventually reduced to a violation. Which, as an aside, I don't know how they expected to deter election fraud by reducing the violations to well, reducing the charges to simple violations. How do you get people to say? you know what? I don't think I want to do voter fraud. None of these people are going to jail. The maximum penalty was $1,000 and 10 hours of community service. And that was issued to 45-year-old Michael Cruz of Portland. On the low end, a judge waived a proposed $440 fine on 40-year-old Jeremy Robbins, also of Portland. Uh, Prosecutors said Robbins cast a ballot in both Oregon and Washington. So he knew he was doing wrong. He knew he was. At the time of the election, he says he was suffering from kidney infections, which impacted his cognition. Really? He didn't remember voting two ballots, but acknowledges that he did and he's extremely remorseful? Come on now. The most recent conviction was of Betty Clark of Haynes, Oregon. Clark was 76 at the time of the election. She'd been temporarily living in Vancouver, Washington, in order to care for her elderly father. Then, while there, she received a ballot in the mail for the upcoming election. She filled it out and returned it. Then her father passed away. She and her husband moved back to their rural Baker County home. There was an Oregon ballot waiting her for her there. She says she forgot about the other one. It was an innocent mistake. There was no criminal intent whatsoever. Yeah, okay. So she was charged with voting in two states, which is a felony. But after an agreement with the prosecutors, the charges were dropped. She didn't even have to appear in court. So... She's very embarrassed. She was under a lot of stress at the time. Blah, blah, blah. So as long as you don't have a criminal history, you can get away with this kind of garbage. The youngest person who was charged was Katie Meyer of Medford. Edmondson said Meyer was an 18-year-old college student attending school in Colorado at the time of the 2016 election. There was a big push on campus to register to vote, which she did. Her parents also mailed her the Oregon general election ballot, and she received a Colorado ballot. She does not remember filling out both, but acknowledges that she must have. Edmondson said Meyer has since canceled her Colorado voter registration. She was fined $225. Not all of the cases involved voting in two separate states, though. Prosecutors Marjorie Gale of Hood River, uh, well, prosecutors said Marjorie Gale of Hood River cast her own ballot and that of her daughter, who was away at college. So she had no other history of multiple voting and based on the circumstances we determined that a violation was appropriate and so she was fined $750. 14 additional cases have not been resolved. The remainder were referred back to the Oregon Secretary of State's office for possible civil violations. So these are not the dramatic voter, you know, suppression, voter tampering that type of stuff stories that, you know, would make for just ooh, look, you know, ooh looky loo. But the fact is, if these cases are indicative, people forgetting, people voting twice and saying they, do, they don't remember it, imagine how many more times that has happened. And if it has happened that many times in Oregon, imagine how much is happening across the country. Now, it's true that a person can make an innocent mistake. I'm not doubting that. But what I am saying is that the idea that voter fraud is not something that happens or it's not something that people do intentionally, because these cases make it sound like it's just a bunch of, you know, kind of absent-minded, but very well-intentioned Americans. And some of them very well may have been. But there's also the instances that have been documented by Project Veritas of individuals in swing states and highly important states, meaning you know large numbers of electoral college votes, bussing people from precinct to precinct, admitting that they engage in voter fraud. And there's been no investigation and nothing's been done about those. So the idea that there isn't any voter fraud and that we don't have to be concerned about our electoral processes here in this country, not true. Our biggest threat is not Russians running $70,000 in ads on Facebook. Our biggest threat is the idea that we have this huge media. It's not, it's not just an idea. It's, it's, it's fact. We have this media apparatus that is just out there continually shilling for one party and processing as truth lies directly into the psyche of Americans. 40% of Americans think Russian influence actually tipped the scales in the 2016 election. They did not. They did not determine who would be the president of the United States. They tampered with the elections. Sure, they've done that before. Their impact was minimal. The idea that they did something like that And that it actually impacted the elections is something that CNN and MSNBC have put out there relentlessly, so much so that now millions and millions and millions, 40% of Americans believe it. It's not true. That is far more dangerous to our election integrity than what Russia did. We've got to have the truth out there, which is why I'm so glad you're making your home here at American Family Radio, American Family Association, Urban Family Talk, that you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your partnership with us and your time that you spend with comments and listening and emailing and just interacting with us and supporting us. We appreciate you. We love you. And it's Monday and and the sun is shining. And so all I can do is give glory to God and keep it moving. All right. God bless you from the heartland citizens until tomorrow.